0: Well hello church family. Uh, We finally reached the end of the first chapter. Uh, I don't know about you but it's been a joy for me just to kind of break up these little devotionals. Uh, It allows me to kind of get to know uh, this text more and just even think about ways in which I can shepherd and care for you guys from afar. Um, I do want to start by saying I do my wife and I miss being with you and being with the whole church as a as a whole and, uh, fellowshipping and, you know, seeing, uh, being living life with you. Um, so that's something that we're, I think all of us, you know, the elder board are praying for that this will be over soon. So we can re reconvene as a body again. Uh, but as we continue moving through this book, chapter one of Esther, uh, we're, let me just kind of summarize quickly what, what the applicational points are, uh, uh, my proposition is that uh, we need to understand how life works, uh, and that then depending on where uh, the perspectives that we have on life, it will change the way that we live. Uh, we first looked at how non-Christians react to life. Uh, we said that they um, they basically do whatever they want, uh, they act and do unbelieving things, and they're uh, out of, and when they lose control of life, they tend to freak out. We we know that the Christians are not supposed to respond the same way non-believers are. Uh, we are not supposed to be people that do what they feel, but we operate on truth. Um, we don't we don't live like non-believers, so that they, the way that we conduct ourselves are 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 in line with scripture. And we also know that when life gets out of control, we don't need to worry because we, have, we worship a God that is in absolute control. Then we talked about how the government reacts to life, how they try to regulate morality, thinking that if you regulate certain moralities, then people's conduct will change. But we know that you can regulate all you want, but that doesn't change the inner person, because a person can lie with their actions, uh, But the, and the Lord doesn't even care about what we do externally, but he looks at our hearts. And no matter how much government wants to regulate morality, there's no way for them to change the individual's hearts. Uh, we also talk about how uh, government, although government is good and is used to suppress evil, to uphold order, uh, not everything that the government sets in place is something that we need to submit to. Again, we listed certain things that uh, that uh, we don't need to abide by. If, they, if the government sometime, uh, somewhere down the line said we cannot, let's say, meet for religious reasons, like they, they hate Christians and they don't want us to meet, we can say no to that. But for things like this, This uh, shut-in, this is something that we need to obey and honor because we want to show them that we we love our neighbors. We don't want them to get hurt. And uh, also in our second point, in terms of government, uh, we know that we we talk about how man's laws change like the wind. Things come, things go. Uh, There will be laws that are for us and laws that are against Christians, but either way, we know and trust that God is sovereign over all all things, that whoever is in the White House, it doesn't matter because we worship a God that's sitting on the throne he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And then yesterday we talked about how believers react to life. And I shared how in this chapter, and even this well, particular this chapter, there aren't any believers in this uh, entire cha- chapter. There are no temples, are no priests, no prophets. Uh, the Lord's name is not mentioned. And I talked about how usually when there is a removal of Christians, there tends to be a negative effect on the society. And I argue that if there are no changes when Christians leave, then that means there's something wrong with that Christian to begin with, that they were not living faithfully. So that's why when they leave, it didn't make any dent, because it was better that they were not there to begin with. And I, I challenge all of us to try to live differently uh, in this time where we're living at home with some of us with non bling families and friends or uh, whoever it may be. Uh, we want to try to be distinct in the way that we. Uh, we go through trials. Um, Christians should leave a lasting impression in society, and we should also leave a lasting impression with those that we that we interact with. And for some of us, it's just basically their own homes. And I challenge that all of us to try to live differently. So this last application point for today is going to be on how the Lord controls life. Uh, he controls every aspect of life, and I. In looking at this chapter again, I said that the Lord—not even this chapter, but this entire book—that the Lord is completely absent. Uh, and I shared this last time about their, in Deuteronomy 31 how the Lord will hide Himself; He will make Himself not be found. And this isn't to say that there aren't those remnants that uh, that don't believe in Him, because there are. The Lord will always keep a few people that are following after them. But as society as a whole at this time, and even parts of the like judges, they uh, they were people that um, that the the general population had their hearts turned away from the Lord. They are worshiping other idols. Uh, so they didn't even desire to look for the Lord. Uh, all the catastrophe that happens around them, uh, they, it should sound familiar to them, but they still chose not uh, to turn and repent and go to the Lord. Um, so when we get to this part, we understand that, again, God is sovereign, even when no one is aware of this. Um, And then I argue even in the last point that the only hero in this story is God. It's not Esther. It's not Mordecai. And as we move on, I'll argue why there aren't any any believers at all. So even though this book is named after Esther, this doesn't mean that she is a believer. At least that's that's where I'm going to argue from. Again, I said in the last one, I might change uh, my position somewhere down the line. But when we understand that God is in control of all things, what are we supposed to draw from this? In light of our current circumstances, what are we supposed to draw from this? Here's, again, three points for today. The first one is that God's will will be done. And this is something that we need to understand, the difference between sovereignty and providence. And even before, if you want to pause this and ask, what is the difference between sovereignty and providence? The answer to both is that sovereignty, it's God's ultimate plan. Everything that's in place, we call that God's sovereign will. Providence is the means by which he fulfills that will. And when we see this chapter, all the characters are, are in places really to set up the preservation of God's people. Um, even though the Israelites were living rebellious lives, even though that they were, uh, they weren't, they were they, they, as a whole they weren't seeking after the Lord, God is still putting things in place so that his people uh, will be preserved. And uh, I'll share more light on that as we move on. But uh, just just keep this in the back of your mind that God is ultimately in control, and everything that you see, everything from the Old Testament, uh, is is pointing towards Christ. And even the rebellion was part of God's sovereign plan, and how uh, He fulfills this through uh, man's wickedness. They they rejected uh, God, and then God still was able to, uh, to 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 connect everything together. He's not surprised by what's go- what's going on. Uh, he knows how to protect uh, his promises. Uh, so that's the thing. god is 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 sovereign over all things he his will will be done. Um, secondly, uh, God will always take care of his people, even if they aren't aware of it. I've said this over again in this chapter, we don't see God's people, and then in the in chapter two and on, we will see this this little um, we will, in in liter in English literature, we call it dramatic irony and something that the audience sees. that the the characters do not. And we know something that the characters in there do not. And in a sense, we get to see things from God's perspective here. And we can see how God is in control of everything. He's actually protecting his people. Especially during this time with this virus and how it seems like there's um, more death and then there's more people... uh, that are uh, exposed to it. There's more people testing positive. At the same time, there's also a lot more people recovering. You know, there's just always the news feed is just constantly just kind of, it was almost at the point where we are getting desensitized to it, just seeing all the numbers keep going. Um, but we need, we shouldn't be desensitized, and that's what causes us not to be, uh, not afraid. Rather, we, we, it's who we know, you know, and that's what keeps us fearless. Um, oftentimes in these dark and trying times the first thing we often do is that we ask why why god why why is this happening and i thought about that is that a right response and i understand where that's coming from because we try to you know wrestling with god but you have to understand that there's a part of that type of question it's it's a self-worship type of attitude because you're asking god to give you account of why things are the way they are you know if if if, let's say, I was working at a job and the boss asked me why I'm doing what I'm doing, it's because I need to report to him. But if, if it's the other way around, the boss is uh, telling me to do something, There's no I'm in no position to challenge him because he's in the authority. In same way, that's how we need to think about our relationship with God. We don't want to ask why. Rather, we should think about who God is when you trust in his character. If, for example, if my wife uh, asked me, if she, just, if she'll say, like, she was like, going out, she said, Hey, babe, I want to take the car. And I'll just be like, Okay, drive safely. Uh, drive, yeah, drive safely. And then I'll just send her off. But let's say if some of, one of you guys came up to me and said, Hey, Pastor A, can I borrow your car? I would ask, Okay, when will I be expecting my car back? Uh, what are you using it for? And okay. And then after you explain everything, I'll say, Okay, cool. Uh, have a nice trip. And then, you know, minus the kissing part. Uh, But if you're a stranger, I have more questions to ask, starting with maybe like, what is your name? Do you know Jesus? Do you need my car? Where are you going to take it? Should I be expecting back? Okay, then here, take uh, take my car. uh, Have a nice trip. Drive safely. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Again, minus the kiss at the end. You notice the difference between the first, which is my wife, to the stranger. And the the difference in response goes in terms of how who and how how well I know them. I know my wife, I trust her, so I don't need to ask that many questions. She's going to do what she wants because it's going to be for my good. I'm not going to, I don't need to worry about what she's going to do. The stranger, I might have to ask more questions. In the same way, that's how we should view about God. When we think about what's going on, we don't need to focus on why God is doing what he's doing. We just, we just need to focus on who he is. We need to trust in the, in the character and attributes of God. And the more you know about who God is, the less that you'll question who he is. This is why theology matters. When you study this book and any book in the Bible, you understand it's revealing something about the Lord. And the more you can catch these attributes of God, the more you can understand who who he is and how he operates, you will trust him and you will not be afraid. You'll always know one of those attributes of God is that he loves us. He takes care of us. We see this in in the Gospels where he said that not even a bird will fall from the sky and the plants and lilies, these things. Uh, 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 they, they, they they wither in the next day, but God clothed those that are, that are His. We, we value more. We have, to, we have to take these passages seriously. And when we take these passages seriously, we will know that we can trust God and we won't need to be afraid of what is going to happen. Uh, so the first one is God's will will be done. Second, God will always take care of His people, even if they aren't aware of it. And lastly, God will always keep His promises god will always keep his promises in the book of esther again this is chronologically in between ezra chapter 6 and 7 so you have to understand that this is, israel is, is rebelling against the lord uh they're put into exile and there are still so many promises that god has made in the past that has not been fulfilled yet uh, and, and God is not a liar. He made the Abrahamic covenant. He said that there would be a people from one person that's going to make an entire nation. And within that entire nation, there's another um, promise called the Davidic covenant, where, where uh, out, of, out of the 12 tribes, one of them is going to, one tribe in particular, Judah, is going that's where the Messiah is going to come from. And then you see all the promises in the Old Testament, and God has not fulfilled them yet. So even in the context of the Old Testament, we know that God is going to fulfill these things and God always keeps his promises. Even though Israel is rebellious, even though Israel is sinning against the Lord, Israel is, God is still faithful. God is always faithful. And we know that the fulfillment of, of these promises are in Christ. And then the complete fulfillment will, will be the second coming when Christ returns. There's so many things that the Lord has set in place that will happen that we can look forward to and every promise that you see in Scripture, they will come to pass. This is where we get our assurance from that we can trust in His promises. When the Bible speaks that He will never leave us or forsake us, that is true. When the Bible tells us that uh, we don't need to worry, be anxious for nothing, um, and just like through prayer and supplication, make our needs made before Him, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will help us. And that's that. These things are all true. And as a, as Christians, we need to keep remembering his promises just like the old testament saints are looking forward to something so are we we're looking forward to god's uh promises being fulfilled and we have the canon of scripture that that shows us even some things that have been fulfilled um if i have time i wish i would i can uh show you even through in the book other books in the old testament that like god has fulfilled it through history um i think if some of you guys were an adult too uh you could, uh, the they recently went through the book of daniel you can see how god uses uh, real history and how the Bible prophecy go hand in hand. Uh, there are a lot of instances like that in the scriptures, and um, you know, history and the Bible account, are, they work together, and that's because God is in control of both. God's word tells us how history is going to play out, and we can trust in that. We can trust in his promises, especially during now, when things seem very dire, uh, and we don't even know how long we have, until we even see each other again, we we have this assurance that we will see each other again, if not in this life, and for sure in the next. And these are problems of Scripture that we can always look forward to, that we can ground our hearts and our soul in so that we can find comfort in the Lord. Uh, so that's the first chapter of Esther. Uh, the first chapter of Esther, again, we cover how uh, Non Christians react to life. We talk about how the government reacts to life. We talk about how believers react to life, and now we see how the Lord is in control of everything. Um, again, the, the the reason why we're going through the Book of Esther is that we want to see God's sovereign hand through things, the through the events of this book. Even though we don't see Him presently in the in the pages, and again, the same thing like us in our time now. We don't see God, but we know and trust that God is in control over all things. And for that, we can rejoice in. Okay, I look forward to next week's study in Esther chapter 2. And I hope this is helpful for you. Uh, Please, again, if there's any prayer requests, if there's anything that you need, uh, please shoot an email. Uh, I'd love to know how you're doing. Um, And I think as time progresses, I'll try to reach out to each and every one of you as well. Uh, But if I don't get to you in time, just feel free to just text me or call, or email, or whatever. Uh, I want to be available and helpful to you uh, as much as I can. Okay, thanks.